Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, November the 17th, and we gather around the inspired and true Word of God, and we pray. Praying Psalm 138, which is a wonderful prayer by David that just tells us exactly what this time of year we focus on giving thanks, but obviously giving thanks to the Lord. What's great about this week is right in the middle of a week of Psalms. We are taking a step back, taking our time, slowing down as we next week will begin a new book, Song of Songs. We'll have Dr. Christopher Mitchell on the program, author of the Concordia Commentary on Song of Songs. And and if you've ever read Song of Songs, it's a good book for us to read. But boy, do we need to make sure that the Holy Spirit is leading us. So we slow down this week to make sure we do something that we all need to do better, and that is pray. Praying by his word, the Holy Spirit will be with us. And today, uh, the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your generous support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Today is a day that our guest was not able to be here, at least as of right now. Uh, So you have me this morning. the host is now going to be also the guest. Of course, this is much like when we talk, um, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but much like in Jesus. He not only is the host, but he is our guest. And so we gather around his word because you have me. So I have to welcome myself back to thy strong word. For me, I'm just going to talk about what's going on for me a little bit. Is uh, This is the middle of the week. We have confirmation tonight, and tonight is pizza night. So the kids are excited as we go through confirmation and uh, doing a review night. Tonight we're going to talk about who is the devil and obviously pointing us back to Christ on who has all authority on this side of eternity and obviously in eternity. So the kids, uh, that should be a wonderful conversation with them. My family is great. This Friday, I'm going to go visit, pick up my daughter from Concordia, Missouri for Thanksgiving break. So thank you for your prayers for her. And uh, for the rest of my kids, they're plugging along. And my wife is a para at the school. So that always is a, a very uh, a stressful time as well. Actually, it's kind of fun. I guess I haven't really highlighted myself. If any of you, our listeners, want to call in with anything, you can do that. We can make this kind of like a talk show, if you will, but more or less talking about Psalm 138. So as we've been looking at the Psalms, as I mentioned before, there's a quote that says the Psalms are like the whole Bible into one book. And that is something for us always to remember as we look at the Psalms is that not only uh, is it a book of the Bible, but it's 150 different writings that encompasses all of Scripture. Um, When we look at uh, Psalm 138, it fills us with words that we need to be able to do to give thanks. So that's what we'll do right now. We'll pray a word of thanks. Um, Psalm 138, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture. Um, Psalm 138, and I will end with the Gloria Patri. We pray. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things, your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. 
and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions or thoughts, or you just want to call in this morning, uh, call us in 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Or you can send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, for you all of our listeners, this is the first time I've done this, where it's just me talking on the radio. I, I love listening to talk shows. I like listening to those kind of things, but also, I've never done this. So bear with me as we look at God's Word today. The question that I have, and the thought that I have, as we look at Psalm 138, is when would we need this psalm? Because as we look at these, one Psalm 139, which we, uh, which we have studied recently, shows us the, the reality of how God searches us and knows us. There's wonderful words that are in there that you are intricately woven, um, that, you, that, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And clearly that psalm is one of those where people are struggling with their identity as having value. Psalm 138 brings us back as we look forward to Thanksgiving, which is a wonderful time, my favorite time of year um, for us to be able to get together with family, especially this year. I know in, in the state of Minnesota last year, many families, it, almost all families, did not get together for Thanksgiving. I know I did not. We were just with my individual family. Like I said, I have four children and, and my wife, and we went for a, um, a turkey trot. We ran a 5K in the morning and then came back home and, and just celebrated together. But this year, we were able to get together with my side of the family. And, and for that kind of gathering, it's important for us to be able to almost be forced to give thanks, because if we don't give thanks, then we'll end up being those kind of people that will um, uh, look on the on, not on the bright side of things. I know I tend to do this, and that's what I love about these psalms that we'll go through the rest of this week. It points us to why we can give thanks, because I know, like I said, if you're anything like me, you'll see the world the gray and latter days you look outside the sun's out but then you're like cold now it's 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 a uh, cold there's no snow which i'm thankful for but the sun's out but it's still cold and i can't go for my normal walk so then you look at that as opposed to looking at the way that god provides for us even in the midst of cold even though like i'm walking by some neighbors or this morning i drove my daughter they start school later on wednesday and i drove my daughter and her two friends to go get coffee and to be able to give thanks for her friends and for me to give thanks for being able to do this on kfuo and all of that and david gives that to us today if you look at psalm 138 one of the realities is it tells us who wrote this and for us all it says today is of David. Looking at a few of the commentaries with this, there's nothing more to write that he just David writing this. And so that's really where we have to glean from the text itself to better understand uh, what David's motivation was. 
So Psalm 138, as we've already prayed it, let's go, let's just go verse by verse. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go through this verse by verse since it's just me. Plus, a little bit later, I have my book, How to Talk Minnesotan, in case somebody I'll put that in my back pocket. If you want to learn a little, bit, a little more about how Minnesotans and why we are the way we are, you're going to learn it this morning. So Psalm 138, verse 1, as David writes, I give you thanks, O Lord Yahweh, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. So it starts right there at the beginning that it's very clear that it's David Who's giving thanks? He doesn't say, give thanks to the Lord. No, he says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. And for someone like David, this is an important piece because as we know from scripture, David's life was not exactly laid out beautifully in a sinless world, um, a sinless way of brokenness. He had it all over the place. We know it with David and Bathsheba. We see it countlessly. He's been running from Saul. He goes all of that. In the middle of that, or maybe towards the end of that, we're not exactly sure. He gives thanks to the Lord. O Lord, the name, the capital L-O-R-D is Yahweh, with my whole heart. Now, this was interesting to me um, to read that because when we think about the whole heart in modern day language, we speak more in a language from the bottom of my heart. What sometimes confuses me, I mean, what does that exactly mean? I use it often. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, when I wrote a letter giving thanks for my congregation during Pastor's Appreciation Week, I wrote, I wrote a thank you, and it said, from the bottom of our hearts, meaning my whole family, for the gifts and the encouragement they gave to me and my family. I say that, and, and I was realizing I don't really know what that fully means. What it means is that the whole heart, it speaks about this um, in the commentary I was reading. Actually, it's a, a Lutheran commentary that speaks about that I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart before the gods I sing your praise. Now, notice the difference. O Lord, capital L-O-R-D, before the gods, G-O-D-S. So he's giving thanks with his whole heart, meaning every single part of him gives thanks to the Lord. His body, probably his soul, everything that has breath gives thanks. And before the gods, and he, he makes a very good faith statement here, a proclamation of the truth of God. Is this not like God is one of many gods, but that he is the God, the Lord Yahweh, the personal name for God, he is before all of them, and even though all these other gods are, are around us, I will give you thanks because you're the only one that will save me, the only one that has sustained me, the only one that will be with me through thick and with thin. Now, thinking about this, too, it's important for us to think of our own gods. As we look at the small catechism, it speaks about, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Now, this is really interesting when you get to confirmation, because in confirmation, you have just, I mean, this is why I think all of you, you are listeners, should join your pastor in their confirmation class. Just say, you know what, pastor, I just want to be there. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, I just want to see how the kids are doing. It's, it's a wonderful gift when I have people from my own congregation join us, because, um, for example, I had one couple join us, and and they were talking about how long they've been married, and they've been married for over 60 years. And someone asked, well, where'd you guys meet? Uh, when did you get married? All this kind of stuff. And and the couple literally said, they said, well, we met one night, we got engaged that night, and we're married two weeks later. 
And so it's a, it's a wonderful witness to these kids for you, the elders in the faith or whatever age you are, to be able to see Christian men and women to be involved in their faith life. So that, that was a great witness. So if anybody ever says, well, you have to, uh, you know, you have to be engaged for two years in order to have a good marriage. Well, this couple might disagree with you. Um, 60 plus years of marriage after two weeks um, is pretty incredible. But you talk with young people about God's. And they, they will kind of say, well, you know, I don't really think that that sports team is, is God. I don't think that that TV is God. I don't think this commercial is God um, or, or uh, my collection is God or the TikToks are God or something. That's where you have to look at the definition to say, you know, what do you fear, loving, and trusting above God? And, and that is where the rubber hits the road and you realize huh, that you have failed, no doubt about it. But to give thanks, because we know there is one God. And as you look at everything around us, we realize that we don't need to treat those as gods because we already have the Lord. So it's a repentance, but also it's an admittance that all of this comes from the Lord. So I ask you, our listeners, what do you give thanks for this morning? What do you give thanks for as you prepare for Thanksgiving? I think a lot of times I do this where I'll sit there and, and not think about it till I sit at the table. And the turkey's out there, um, the, the stuffing's there, the gravy is there, the pumpkin pie is waiting to be eaten. And then me being that guy says, okay, everybody talk about what you're thankful for. Well, for Pete's sake, we're all starving. We're all hungry. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. And then you ask them, what are you thankful for? I mean, it's going to get done quick. Come on now. What we should do is do it earlier than that. I'm challenging myself when I say this for you as, as I say this as well. Is So ask you now. What are you thankful for? Maybe write it down. Prepare it. Think about the ways that when you gather with the family this Thanksgiving, what are ways that you can emphasize that you give thanks to the Lord? Because that is something that is, is highly impactful on people. And a lot of times we just assume we don't need to for whatever reason. I went to church. I'm good. But I know there are opportunities. And I want to talk more about those a little bit later. But David lays it out. He does not give thanks to the Lord partly. He does not give thanks to the Lord for a little bit. He doesn't give thanks to the Lord only with words of speaking. He does it with song. And if you're, you know, if you think of uh, how song works, is that when you get really excited and you have a song you really like, you know, it doesn't matter how good of a singer you are. You sing it out there like you love it, and that's exactly how David is. He's giving thanks and he's doing it with his whole heart, even to the depths of his lungs, to give thanks to the Lord for what He has done for him. And we'll find out a little more what that means a little bit later. Once again, as I'm alone today, if you have any questions or thoughts or comments, give us a call. 314-821-0850. 314-821-0850. Verse 2. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So, he begins once again with I. So this isn't uh, he's telling everyone else. He's speaking about himself. And this is important when we get to something along the lines of the creed. You know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, I think is an important language that we'll use to show that this confession of faith is ours. And David's clearly doing that, that he's not trying to speak for other people, but he's doing it himself. And I bow down. Now, this is an important aspect, too, because there's some church... His, history of the church and different church bodies will have their priest or their pastor lay on the ground before the altar. 
um, for various times throughout the service. Now, this is clearly not mandated in Scripture, but you think of it, the bowing down would be something that that the people would do, um, the Israelites, when they were towards the presence of God. And he speaks about the holy temple. Now, to this point, the temple's not made. Um, It could have been uh, the tabernacle, um, but he's definitely speaking about the presence of the Lord. So when I'm in the presence of the Lord, I bow down. Um, And so they would face the direction of probably the tabernacle and towards Jerusalem, and they would bow down to pray. This is not required, like I said, but it does show that people are not going to wonder, I wonder what that guy's doing, you know? that they're not looking, I don't know if he's praying or not praying. It definitely shows that you're putting everything into this. Now, this does come into maybe some contradiction of what Jesus says. You know, if we're going to go pray, pray by yourself so that you're not like beating your chest for everyone to see that you're the one praying. But also, he doesn't say this is in public, um, but he says, toward your holy temple, toward Jerusalem, the language of Zion, meaning towards the presence of of the Lord, that you you are focused. This is another aspect of our prayer life, is that when you pray, are you focused? Um, And this is something that I need to work on. One aspect that I heard of a pastor that I tried to do is you go into the sanctuary. If you you serve in the church, this is easy. A little bit harder nowadays to go to church and pray by yourself because usually the doors are locked. But to go into the sanctuary with your psalms or the scriptures or just a list you want to pray for and you pray. Now, I don't know if I'm going to bow down on my knees, but I could. And it probably would help me focus more on my prayer life. And that's what he's doing. He is showing I am all in. I'm going to bend down. I'm going to pray. I'm facing the Lord. That's really what this means. It's not necessarily building, saying, okay, if you if you face the wrong way, or you face west instead of east or north instead of south or whatever direction it is, that he is emphasizing that he is facing the Lord to give thanks, to give thanks to your name, meaning this is not giving thanks to the name of somebody else. This is an important thing I think is good for our language. Now, reminder to everybody, when I give some of these thoughts, this is not a mandate like, well, if you don't do this, you don't love Jesus. But it's, it's, a, it's an encouragement to think about the way we speak is a big deal. And this is why the Psalms are so great, because here he gives us an example I bow down toward your holy temple. Okay, we understand that. And give thanks to your name. This is where language such as um, you give thanks to somebody. Hey, you know, thank you for whatever you might do. Um, thank you for, for your, your, uh, your listening ear. Thank you for your help on this. Thank you to your parents. Thank you to your friends, whoever it might be. A good way to communicate as Christian people is I thank God for you. You're still giving thanks to that person, but you're including God in the conversation because this person or this situation, God has provided for you. Now, this isn't always appropriate in every situation. I try to do this more when I write letters and so forth. I'm not saying I'm great at it either. I'm just saying this is, this is a good challenge for all of us to give thanks to your name in order for us to be able to look more uh, uh, faithfully to the Lord. Now it goes into why, for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Now, when I think of the word steadfast, this is an important word in Scripture, 
And we're going to probably talk about this even more um, later on in some of our other passages in, in the Psalms. But steadfastness is something that is immovable. Um, I actually am looking up the, 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 the verse for it now of telling us what it actually means, because I actually didn't look this one up, but I've always, I looked it up before. I kind of forgot. Here it is. The Hebrew word chesed, loyalty to one's community, most common term for God's grace in the Psalms. In the Psalms, it is used 125 times to show God's loyalty to his people. Luther described this as goodness in action. So not only do we say that God is good and steadfast, as, as if that's just kind of who he is, but we see it in his action. We hear about this in other Psalms where we'll talk about that his steadfast love endures forever. We'll quote that quite a bit. His steadfast love endures forever. And so that's where we are as we look at the scriptures today that his steadfast love and faithfulness is there at all times. And as we look at this, um, we I'm trying to think of people who we know are steadfast with you. In their faithfulness, they, 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 they're always there for you. Um, in their faithfulness, they are always available to you. Um, in their steadfastness, they'll stick with you through thick and thin. All of that, and the reality is, that ebbs and flows. There's some people um, that even your own spouse, that you know they're with you, but it doesn't mean that you have some days where it doesn't quite work out the way we wish. Um, that <laughs> that his stead- the steadfastness and the faithfulness is clearly there. But even I will fail. Married now for um, since 2003, so that's now 18 years. Um, it really makes you realize that there's a, a steadfast love for my wife, but it doesn't mean there's no failures. There's a faithfulness that we've been faithful to each other. It doesn't mean that there's not failures in the midst of that. This is why we can look at God with new eyes and be able to look at him and say, hey, you are one who's never failed me. You are the one who is always there, the Hasid love, which is a love that is beyond comprehension. We can say, I love the Lord, but the reality is the power comes in that God first loved us. And then at the end of verse 2, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. For you exalted all things, your name and your word. This is that that, that he he is above it all. This is a reminder for us that it's sometimes hard for me to comprehend. I actually you know what? Never mind. It's always hard for me to comprehend. Because you have exalted above all things your name and your word, meaning that everything that we can comprehend, God is above it all. That his name, Yahweh, is above all names. And every knee shall bow, um, and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord. This is Philippians chapter two, that His name is above all the other names, and His word um, is above all other words. That I can talk all day, but my words do not have power, especially as a pastor or as a Christian, if it's not lined up with God's word, because God's word is the one that uh, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. His name is above all other names for us to be able to know. This is why he gives thanks, because he is getting a glimpse, a, a slice, if you will, of the understanding of all that God has done for him. Now, as we look at this, reminder, if you want to call in this morning, uh, give us a call, 314 821 
I'm going to take a little bit of a break from this, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a line of a Minnesota moment. All right. So a Minnesota moment I'm going to take, I'm going to do, take about a minute and a half with this, is that in a Minnesota moment is that we try to be very kind. And as we try to be very kind, when someone tells us something that, um, that we don't quite agree with, we have a code word to try to make sure the other person doesn't realize we don't agree. Um, we don't want anyone to think we don't agree. We want to be kind of in that mushy middle as much as we possibly can. Clearly, I'm, um, I'm, I'm formed by this. I'm a Minnesotan. And so you try to respect all people, but we still have all these, um, uh, we have these different terms. And one of them is someone says to you something and you don't quite understand uh, what is happening. One of the lines is this. This is from the book, How to Talk Minnesotan. And one person says, Hey there, Bill. Have you do you use night crawlers to catch those bullheads? Um, yeah, you bet. Um, what do you use? Oh, I use stink bait. Well, what's stink bait? Oh, it's rotten hamburger and moldy cheese. Put a little oatmeal on there for a binder, and boom, you have the opportunity to catch as many fish as you want for those bullheads. By the way, if you know what bullheads are, they're awful, awful fish. You never want to catch them for whatever reason. Bill wanted that. Um, and so the stink bait, that's what I use. And what's the response from the other person? Well, that's different, which code means that's ridiculous. What are you doing? You don't even make sense. We don't want anyone to feel bad. So therefore, we'll say, oh, that's different. And if someone says other things, makes you realize that if I in the program here ever will say that's different, that probably means that I don't agree with our guest, which now I'm going to have to make sure that I watch how I speak. But right now, um, reminder to, to Dan, I'm going to take our break right now. We are studying Psalm 138, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 138. And actually, we have our guest on this morning, uh, Reverend Dr. John Rickert, who is pastor of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Newark, Delaware. And and Pastor Rickert, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> it's a it's a real joy to have you. Last time you were on was April. I remember this because I was actually in studio. I've only been in studio once uh, for two programs, and you were one of the guys that was in studio with me in April. So it's good to have you back. I apologize for the uh, difficulty we had getting uh, on the same 
phone number, so to speak. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, it's one of those deals where life happens, and now now we are on, and we are surrounded by God's word. So give me give me a minute here and tell me what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at our Redeemer in Delaware. Well, uh, I'm actually planning to retire at the end of August. And so I've told the congregation about this and encouraged them to begin the call process early. So that's very much a part of what's going on at our church right now, where, uh, and, you know, I'm, I just want them to have as short a period of time as possible with pulpit supply. And then, of course, our normal sort of stuff to reach out to our community. Our focus is is really, we're tucked away inside a community, no main road or anything. So clearly our mission field is that community. So we continue to try to reach out to them. And uh, the congregation has really uh, embraced that idea, which I'm very happy about. Um, So that's what's happening there, as well as with my family, as we continue to uh, ponder what will happen in our next chapter, shall we say? Well, I tell you what, I you know I have a book here that says how to talk Minnesotan. So I think it would be great if you were to just move to Minnesota and you can help me out and uh, preach for me occasionally. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, the further north <laughs> I go, the worse my allergies get. And that's, <laughs> that, when I was in well, Florida, I actually got hospitalized because of my allergies. Yeah, so I think I'm going to head south. Get south. That's a good idea. Go south, young man. Yeah, there you go. So go south. Well, Pastor, we are in Psalm 138, and I, I went through verses 1 and 2. Do you have any, any thoughts uh, of uh, themes or introductions that you have for Psalm 138? Uh, well, uh, actually, I do. I'm uh, pretty much attracted to accessory of Arliss's approach where he used this psalm for ascension. And uh, I think of this in terms of Jesus speaking. And, you know, of course, I'm always looking for Christ. So I see this in reference to his uh, either his descent into hell and ascension into heaven, you know, very much part of the the creed. Or if you prefer to just do uh, the ascension, you could go that route. Uh, So that's how I kind of go at this psalm. so, you know, uh, the gods in verse 1, a lot of commentaries are going to go with important people in the earth, and that can certainly be understood in a salutary and orthodox and confessional way. But I kind of lean more towards either uh, the demons, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Paul talks about in First Corinthians, that the gods of the people are demons or fake gods, completely fake gods, just like Luther says that whatever you consider all good for, uh, from that's your God. And so uh, we had then, you know, Jesus going down to uh, in his descent to hell, you know, praising God and and not so much thumbing the nose at the people, but just singing Hallelujah, my Father has got the job done. Or if we think of gods in terms of angels, and a lot of people do that, then uh, Jesus is uh, going up through the ranks of angels, and, and they're all praising him. 
as he goes up. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of how I, I would go at verse one. Now mm-hmm. you can use your Minnesota phrase and say, uh, that's different. <laughs> You're learning. I like it. You can live here. You can live here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then as I, uh, move to uh, verse two, I bow down towards your temple, uh, would be Jesus, you know, who worshiped regularly in the temple and with the uh, synagogues. And I I would, you know, really spend a lot of time talking about how if the third commandment was that important to Jesus, if it was important enough to put in the Ten Commandments, then I would uh, certainly consider it uh, corporate worship to be a vital part of every Christian's life. just like the scriptures teach, like Hebrews 10, you know, do not neglect to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, you know, I would go uh, with that way. And then I would probably also pull it. Jesus is the word of God and uh, his name is above all other names. So uh, we look at Jesus. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm tying it in with a catechism because that's who I am. <laughs> well, you're a Lutheran, and so how could we yeah. not, right? How could we not? That's right. So I'm afraid I didn't hear uh, your opening comments. I don't know if uh, if I was in line with those or if you were taking a, a different approach. Well, you know, our our listeners might have even uh, a, you know an opinion on that. Uh, I don't think, as far as I could tell, we didn't contradict each other um, at all. I love, I, and this is what I love from our first broadcast because we were in First Kings last time we were yeah. together, and it's like, how can we make sure that we see Jesus? in this text often we will say that we put on our christ goggles and i love that idea of the holy temple jesus um went to the temple jesus is the temple and we bow down one of my one of my emphases was just talking about prayer why do we pray um how we pray not a mandate to bow down but you can um to focus in and also steadfastness which is the the hebrew word chesed um, the steadfast love of God, which goes beyond any love that we can imagine here in this side of eternity. And that's hard to fathom because David really captures it beautifully in these words today. So that's what I have in the first two verses. Anything else you want to share? Um, well, I know that uh, I got us kind of uh, behind the gun uh, because of the <laughs> failure to connect. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would under, you know, certainly say amen to those things that you, uh, you mentioned. Jesus mm-hmm. is uh, our temple, and we are, uh, uh, we are stones in that temple, and, and so we can certainly wrap this around that way as well. Well, let's keep moving forward then. I'm just going to do verse three to this point. I just do one verse at a time. So we'll do on verse three. On the day I called. You answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. So there, go ahead. Go go ahead, ahead. Pastor. What do you got? Oh, well, you know, the thing that popped in my mind, because like I say, I'm thinking of Jesus. And so the first thing that popped in my mind is when Jesus prayed to the Lord for strength in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he even sends an angel to strengthen him, according to Luke. 
So, uh, you know, again, uh, this certainly would be true for every believer, certainly would have been true for David. But uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is Jesus and being strengthened in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. No, that is interesting, um, because there's Jesus. He prays, Lord, take this cup of wrath from me if it is your will. Um, and for us, I think about this. This is a good prayer for all of us to pray. Lord, give me strength of soul. What do, what does strength of soul mean when you hear that, Pastor? How would you describe that to somebody? Soul is often used as a uh, a word to just, that would be like a reflexive pronoun, myself. So strengthen me, uh, and so that that's uh, kind of what I would think. You know, he, he's just praying for strength, just like. We pray when we're facing difficult times and say, God, uh, strengthen me during this time of trial and temp- temptation. Do not let these things uh, make me waver from following you. So that that's what I would go with okay. at first. Anyway. And I, I find I myself I, I find myself really hearing quite often is the struggle, and I'm not sure if this is COVID, I think it's just a general thing, is that we need strength, not necessarily just to make it through the day, but we need that strength to be able to fulfill our daily vocations. We need that strength to, you know, like a, a young a young person would say, just to, just to get through my test or get through this quarter or get through the week. You know, this is why we'll say Wednesday's hump day and Friday's a day to celebrate and so forth. They're asking for strength for everything that we have in our lives. And too often, I know I've thought of my prayer life as more like, well, I'm going to pray for strength of faith, which is a good prayer, obviously, but just the strength Mm -hmm. to be able to fulfill everything that's before me. And not just like, for example, when, when we serve people who are, who are knee deep in serving their parents or a loved one, uh, they're constant caregivers. They pray for strength, but even if it's a minuscule thing, like, you know, I want to get through school today, pray for strength. Um, not only for safety, but also for strength. So I, I found verse three really kind of resonated with me because this is not just the big things, but even the small things that we need strength for our souls for faith, but also the daily tasks that we have. Any thoughts? I would agree uh, absolutely. It's uh, when we got when we feel like we have everything taken care of and we can switch to autopilot. That's when we're getting ready to fall. And if you don't have any major challenges, like taking care of a loved one, you're the primary caregiver, or facing some sort of major illness in your life, or the death of your spouse, or getting fired, those are big things. And you can certainly say, yes, let's go to the Lord in prayer. But if life is humming along normal, so to speak, and you don't have any of these big things, and you just have the average aggravations of life, you might think, well, I don't need to pray today. I don't need to read the Bible today. I don't need uh, to remember my baptism today. That's when you're headed uh, to fall flat on your face. And uh, so this would certainly work well, reminding us that every day we need the strength of the Lord. We need his forgiveness. We need his grace. And this is why it is, is so important for us to be people of prayer, that we bring these things before the Lord. And I love it here. Verse 3 talks about how God answered the prayer. 
You know, it's not, it's not a, like I pray and I'm not sure if it really worked. And and this is good for us. Like I, I mentioned at the beginning of our program to think about Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving day, you know, those kind of things is that this is a great opportunity for us to take a step back and to actually see how God answered those prayers. For example, we talked about caregivers that many people, they had to do it for quite an extended time period. And, and they can look back and say, the Lord gave me strength to get through that. And when I'm in the weeds, that's hard to see. But when I'm able to look back, much like in the Psalms here, he looks back and says, see how I saved you from slavery? See how I, I split the Red Sea? See how I, I, I led you from the kings that you know wanted to stop you from getting to the promised land? All of that, we can look back and see how the Lord answers those prayers. Um, any other any other thoughts before we move on? Um, just uh, uh, those are certainly uh, wonderful ways to take this text and apply it. Uh, and because Jesus is uh, the prototypical man, just as much as Adam was, we see how uh, life should be and will be when we are raised from the dead and we are recreated in his image that is to be without fault, uh, without sin, without corruption. And so we see this working, especially in the lives of Jesus. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. And I, I love that. I actually have um, a book that's called Christ in the Psalms, and that is exactly how it was portrayed in that wonderful book. So let's keep moving forward, verses 4 through okay. 6. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Now, Pastor, this was a little bit of a challenge as I was reading this. Like, okay, um, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks. Like, okay, well, is that true? What are they talking about? I, you know, obviously not all kings, not all leaders of countries are giving thanks to the Lord. What is what is he saying in these verses? Once again, if we're looking at this from the point of view of uh, Christ sitting on his throne in heaven, then we have the wonderful thought. Uh, in Philippians, where Paul talks about uh, every knee bowing before Jesus, and that includes the mighty here, uh, whether they are happy to do it or not, they all have to bow before Christ and say, you are right. So for some of these kings, it's, it's praise uh, according to their will, and some of them it's praise against their will. But whether it is uh, one way or the other, they all have to admit that Christ is Lord, Christ is King, Christ has kept his promises. So he's, he's, he's looking forward to the resurrection, basically. Is that kind of what we're talking? Resurrection, ascension, uh, second coming. Oh, right, yeah. You know, yeah. He, is, he is at the right hand of the Father, and he is great, and everybody will have to uh, acknowledge Jesus Christ is the Savior to the glory of God the Father. 
And this is where Philippians chapter two is what you reference, and I and I I, I, I very briefly referenced it before as well. As far as the part where it says, uh, "Before gods, I sing your praise, give thanks to your name, assuming that His yeah. name is above every name." So Philippians chapter two verses nine through eleven says, "Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him this is Jesus the name that is above every name, so the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory." Of God the Father, so yeah. that that is a perfect connection. As you said, it's all about Jesus. The Christ goggles we put on, we definitely see that reality. And we get to verses five and six. Um, we we have a little bit different emphases. Uh, any other thoughts on those verses? Uh, well, you know, um, uh, for the Lord is high; He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. You know, the, the lowly. Here is, is the group you want to be in, and those are those who recognize their sin. Jesus says, you know, the poor in spirit, the same sort of thought. Uh, these are the people who recognize their sin, recognize their poverty before God, and are dependent solely on the grace of God. They're not going to point to their own good works and say, I deserve to be in heaven. Uh, and the haughty are those who say, well, if God's going to pick anybody to be in heaven, he's going to pick me. I'm just all that. And uh, they're going to—they're thinking they're going to walk around in heaven uh, boasting, well, of course I'm in heaven. Look at my life. I'm such a great guy. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of the boast thing. There's no boasting in heaven about how you got there. Uh, so those who are boastful are going to be the ones in hell. And those who are the humble are the ones who are going to be in heaven. And that's a reference to whether you're trusting in your own self or you're trusting in Jesus. Uh, and uh, when everybody is in heaven, basically they're all going to be uh, singing God's praise because of his great glory, because he has saved us by grace through faith in Jesus and not by our own good works, but by the work of Christ. So that's how I would be looking at that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Because it, it, it connects us to Luke chapter 18, where you have the, uh, the basically, where they talk about how, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, my, my mind's not running around here it's too well, is the parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, they, the oh, two yeah. came to the temple to pray. Once again, going back to the temple, um, and the, the Pharisee stands up and says, hey, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men, especially this tax collector. And that's exactly the haughty. This is where it's not so much that the Lord's not near them as that they have walked away from the Lord. It's it's crazy because they're praying to the Lord, but yet they are far from the Lord. And the other one beats his chest and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The tax collector of all people. And what does Jesus wrap that up with? Who who does he say? What does he say about the two, especially about that, that repentant guy? Right. It says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah. And he went away justified. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, all right. I, I went I went right to the end. You, you didn't tell me the last verse, but yeah. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. You're exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, he, went, he went to his house a Lutheran. <laughs> well, we have to be careful in the name of Jesus, but we we like to think that, don't we? And we like to think that it's a like you know, <laughs> we like that justified word. 
That's right. That's right. We we walked away, and he walked away with Article Four of the Augsburg Confession. No, anyways. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as we look at, at verses four through six, anything else you want to highlight before we get to uh, the end of the psalm? Well, those would have been the big points that I would have brought out. Okay. Okay. And and it really is something where I would encourage you, our listeners, as we go through a few verses at a time. I really have found that when I go through these psalms, that to go verse by verse, or only short verses, and to take your time. One of the tendencies that I've had since I've been the host of this program since January is that I feel like, oh my gosh, I need to get done with all the verses. And if it's 30 in that chapter, you got to get done with them. 50 in that chapter, you got to get done with them. But often our problem is we need to slow down. And Pastor Rickard has really uh, unpacked some wonderful realities and other parts of the scriptures when we slow down. And so verses 7 and 8, we will conclude, we have about six minutes left here, Pastor, that 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 here, I like how he, he puts it in practical terms. You know, he's, he's putting, okay, this is how the Lord has sustained me, and this is why I give thanks. So verses 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. I'm sorry. Well, well, you know, David, you know, is the the template or or the the antitype, and uh, I mean the type. And Jesus is the uh, the antitype. So you know. David had times when he walked through the midst of trouble, and God preserved his life. But if we look at the uh, antitype or Jesus, uh, then we look at all the persecution that Jesus had throughout his life. Uh, from his uh, conception oh. onward, uh, we have the uh, difficulty uh, finding a place to even uh, lodge so that he would be born. And then we have the slaughter of the innocents, and then the exile into Egypt, all the way through to his uh, uh, abuse and crucifixion and death. And so through all that time, he has all of these struggles. Uh, The hand of his enemy was stretched out against him, and yet he was delivered. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. So uh, I, I see... Uh, the state of humiliation and the exaltation all the way through this, going to the Apostles' Creed, as we learned it in the small catechism. Um, but and, you and know, David was the type, and Jesus is the anti-type. Kind of that feel when we look at uh, Jesus in the wilderness, you know, so right after he gets baptized, he goes into the wilderness, and the Holy Spirit led him out there, and he did what we could not do, which is to be tempted um, and to to not fall. I mean, this is exactly what we're seeing. David, the Lord preserved him through the trouble, but he fell. And the Lord went through the same trouble, lived the same life, and he fulfilled it. You know, he delivered us. Um, by showing us that he didn't fail in the midst of that, and then also shows us that if he can do it, then he will also deliver us um, from these things. He will strengthen us through it. He will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And I think this is a reminder, too, that the Lord protects us from evil. Um, uh, Deliver us from evil, we pray. 
Um, and yeah. here it shows us once again, he doesn't, we just don't pray it, but he actually does it. Any thoughts? Uh, well, you know, that's absolutely true. You know, David, uh, not only does, uh, well, what we learn in David is that we can fall and we have forgiveness. You know, David was called a man after God's heart. It was mm-hmm. not because he lived some sort of sinless uh, life. That, that he could not do. But what he did do is repent. And, and the big difference between David and Saul is that Saul didn't repent, repent. He kept making excuses. And we can make excuses till the cows come home for our bad behavior. But David said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's why he was a man after God's heart. And when we repent, God is always ready to forgive and uh and deliver us from our our just punishment mm. and so pastor we have about two minutes left i want to i want to read verse eight and to get your thoughts because this could be completely misinterpreted if we if we're not careful to look at it within the right context verse eight the lord will fulfill his purpose for me your steadfast love O lord endures forever Do not forsake the work of your hands. And the part I want to focus on, like I said, we've about two minutes left. It says, fulfill his purpose for me. So is this like um, the purpose that I'm going to take on the world and have loads of cash and everything is going to go well for me? What does he mean by (laughs) he will fulfill the purpose for me? What do you think? Well, uh, once again, I'm reading this as if this is Jesus speaking. Okay. So what was the purpose of of the life and, and ministry and death and Resurrection of Jesus. To the save salvation us from our of the world. Yeah. yeah. To save us sinners. So that was fulfilled. The, you know, God did that, you know, through Jesus. And therefore, by his salvation, by his, his atoning death, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. That wasn't just for his generation. Or the next generation, it is for all generations, not even just uh, all the way up to the second coming, but all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were saved by faith in the coming Messiah, just as we are saved by faith in the Messiah who came. So uh, he does not forsake, God does not forsake the work of your hand. You know, that would be the work of salvation that was accomplished by Christ. And for all who believe, they receive the completed work of Christ on the cross. So that's how I would go with that. That is that is wonderful. That truly is the purpose, and the purpose is salvation. And he fulfills that, obviously, in Christ. And at the end, we have about a minute left. Your pastor says, do not forsake the work of your hands. What do we have there? Well, again, that could be the work of salvation, or it could be us who have received that gift of salvation. Well, Pastor, as we look at this psalm, 30 seconds left, how would you summarize this blessed psalm for us? Christ wins. Well, you're, you're a man of, of uh, only a few words. Uh, it's definitely not the Minnesota language of, well, that's different, um, but it definitely is true. So, if I could comment on one thing you said earlier about going that? slow, you know, uh, this, this psalm 
is not in the three-year lectionary. It is only in the one-year lectionary, and that's for Trinity Four. Uh, All my churches have always used a three-year lectionary, so this is the first time that I've really sat down with this psalm and thought about it. And uh, taking your time, I have been sitting down with this psalm for two weeks now, pondering it and thinking about it and reading people about it and so forth, and uh, I personally have uh, a much richer understanding than when you first asked me to do this psalm. So I, I underscore that comment that you made, made of taking time and sitting with a word and letting it work through your, your soul. Well, thank you, Pastor. The Reverend Dr. John Record of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Newark, Delaware, helping us give thanks in prayer with Psalm 138. Uh, thank you, Pastor. You have a great day. Thanks for having me. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. As you said today, we pray because where we see is Jesus and he has fulfilled it all. We give thanks for the victory that he graciously gives to us. So saints, keep praying. I'm your host, Brady Finner and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.